Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Thank you, Tim, for reading for us. Good morning, everyone. Very good uh, to see you uh, here. Um, You should have received on the way in this little white piece of paper, this little handout that shows us uh, where we're going over the next few minutes. You might like to have that. Uh, within, uh, uh, within a line, your line of sight. And uh, also, um, uh, do keep your Bibles open there at Matthew chapter 1. As we come to that now, let me lead us in a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, your living and active word. And we pray that as we come to it now, that you would give us insight and understanding into what was happening in this moment in Israel's history and what was experienced by your servant Joseph. And we pray that you would help us to see with clarity all the beauty of this Lord Jesus, all that he means to us, all that he came to do for us. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Sometimes we hear big claims that seem too good to be true. Uh, Big claims that need backing up. Maybe you're sold a new VW and you're told it's going to do 90 miles to the gallon. Really? Not sure. Um, or, or just this week, I got one of those emails you sometimes get that says you've won a prize in a competition. You think, have I really? Um, or maybe uh, you've been listening recently to these politicians promising to cut your taxes at the same time as paving the streets with gold. And you think, well, that's kind of a big claim. Might need backing up that one. And big decisions need a good basis, don't they? If you're thinking of buying a car, you'll take it for a test drive to see if it's reliable. If you're considering marrying someone, you'll probably, hopefully, get to know them quite well first before committing to something like that to see if this is a goer. Um, And if you're considering starting a business, you'll do some market research. You get the point. You don't make a big decision about where to invest yourself, your uh, future, your money, um, without a good basis. Big claims need backing up. Big decisions need a good basis. When something looks too good to be true, we rightly ask, can I believe this? And can I count on this? 
Last week, we looked at the opening verses of Matthew's gospel, and we saw a big claim that might seem too good to be true. The claim that Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph, was in fact the Christ, the long-awaited heir to the throne of David and heir to the promises of Abraham, who had come to lift God's people out of centuries of despair. The hope of a nation come at last. But is it true? Because it seems maybe too good to be true. And can we count on it, building our lives around that claim? In the verses we're looking at this morning, Joseph is in a very similar situation. He's faced with a big claim that needs backing up and a big decision about who to trust. And it's on this same question of who is the child of Mary. But Joseph, of course, isn't reacting to the opening of Matthew's gospel. It hasn't been written yet. He hasn't got that luxury as we have. No, he's living in the history that Matthew describes with limited information experiencing these events as they unfold. And from where he was standing, what happened to him can only have seemed like a scandalous betrayal, followed by an excuse too good to be true. Take a look at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. For a young man, happily engaged, looking forward to getting married, it's hard to imagine worse news. It must have hit him like a ton of bricks. All Joseph knew was this. His fiance was pregnant, and he hadn't slept with her. And that means someone else has, and she's not claiming to have been attacked. And rather than having the decency to admit what she had done, She was putting it down to an act of God. I mean, can you think of anything more pathetic? Seriously, Mary. It's clear from verse 18, though, that there's more going on than meets the eye. It says Mary was, I wonder if you noticed this, uh, interesting little detail in the text. It says Mary was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. (laughs) How do you find yourself to be with child through the Holy Spirit? I mean, I get how you find out that you're with child, but through the Holy Spirit? Um, I don't think that's a third option on the pregnancy test kit. Not pregnant, pregnant, and pregnant by the Holy Spirit. How can Mary know that? Well, of course, Luke's gospel gives us the answer. An angel visited Mary before this point and told her all that was about to happen and who this child would be. And so as these things began to unfold, she knew what was going on. Great for her, but all that Joseph had was her word for it. And as much as he'd have loved to believe that his darling fiancé was telling the truth, frankly, it was too good to be true. But Joseph was a good guy. Rather than dragging her reputation through the mud, as he might well have been tempted to do, he looked to protect her. Verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. We might well wonder why he would even need to divorce her, given that they weren't yet married. And the answer is that back then, getting engaged was itself a legally binding agreement that could only be broken off by having an official decree of divorce. Now, Joseph could, under the law, have pursued a much harsher penalty for Mary. But instead, he tried to protect her from disgrace while still keeping the law. He sought a private divorce. He was a good man, but... He wasn't a gullible man. 
He didn't want to hurt her, but he didn't believe her. And who can blame him? Maybe you're not a Christian here this morning, and Joseph's feelings are exactly how you feel when you come across supernatural stuff like this in the Bible. It might sound great. Frankly, you've got nothing against those who believe it, but it's just not believable. You look at Christians and wonder whether it's possible to be a sensible thinking person and believe this stuff. Maybe you are a Christian and you sometimes get a bit of a wobble and wonder whether you've been wise to believe in and build your life around the supernatural claims of the Bible. Or maybe you are convinced of these things, but you fear the ridicule of family or friends or colleagues and aren't sure how to explain to them why you believe what you do. All of us need to know one way or the other whether the big claim of Matthew's gospel that Jesus is the Christ is one we can really believe and build our lives on. Is it a lie too good to be true or a truth too good to miss? Joseph appears to have made his mind up. But then God steps in and draws back the curtains to reveal to Joseph what's going on. And crucially, God reveals to him and to us the identity of this child of Mary. You'll see uh, on the handout, God reveals firstly through a prophetic word, the prophetic word of an angel. Take a look at verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Right through the Bible, at important moments, we see God speaking to people through dreams, and that's what happens here. The angel appears to Joseph with a word from God, a prophetic word. And in verse 20 reveals two hugely important things about the identity of this child. Namely, that he is from God, but also in the line of David. The child is from God. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. That is God, the Holy Spirit. This pregnancy isn't the result of Mary's adultery. Instead, the child is somehow of God. And this is so important because we've seen from the first half of the chapter that Israel could not themselves produce the Christ figure, someone able to keep God's law and lead the people in God's ways. Instead, what have we seen? We've seen 42 generations of screw-ups. And after 42 generations, perhaps the Israelites, Joseph included, were beginning to realize something's got to change here. God's going to have to intervene if we're ever going to receive the Christ that we're longing for. We cannot save ourselves. If God had waited another 42 generations, still they wouldn't have produced the Christ, the Savior they needed. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, you know what they call that? Insanity. They needed a rescue from outside of themselves. They needed God to step in and give them the Christ they couldn't produce. And you see, that's what this child is. Not just another man, but one of God, conceived through God, the Holy Spirit. One who has the very nature of God and therefore is himself God. Now, I realize we're beginning to wade our way into very deep theology this morning. We're not gonna go much deeper. But see that Matthew is showing us this, that in Jesus, we have one who is of us, but not of us one who is of God, but also a human. 
And yet the promise was that this child would also be a descendant of David and Abraham. And so an heir to the throne of David and an heir to the promises made to Abraham. So Jesus needed an earthly father in that line. Did you notice how the angel addressed Joseph? Verse 20, Joseph, son of David. No mistake, the angel's reminding Joseph that he's a descendant of David and therefore one through whom the Christ could come. Who is this child? Not the product of adultery, but both God and human, conceived of the Holy Spirit, but born of Mary, and through Joseph included in the line of David. And it had to be that way. We humans could not save ourselves. We needed someone to step in from outside, and yet we needed one in the line of David through whom the promises could be fulfilled. The angel's trying to show Joseph, and Matthew is trying to show us that this child has all the credentials to be the Christ, one who is of us and yet of God as well, the God-man. And if Joseph is beginning to see where this is all leading, the angel makes it explicit in verse 21. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You can see from the footnote there uh, in the church Bible that the name Jesus means the Lord saves. So the angel says to him, call the, call, call the child the Lord saves because he will save his people from their sins. Quite a good name, really. And in doing so, this child will resolve the great cause of the exile and the great obstacle to the promises being fulfilled, human sin. Who is this child of Mary? God reveals the answer through this prophetic word. He's the Christ come to save a nation. Stepping back from the story for a moment, Matthew shows us, his readers, not just a prophetic word, but that all that's happening is a prophetic fulfillment, the completion of something predicted centuries before. 700 years earlier, this had been predicted. Look at verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, Matthew knows that this claim might seem too good to be true. And so he wants us to see the credibility added by the fact that exactly this was predicted. 700 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah had written of this coming Christ, saying that a virgin would be with child and give birth to a son. This was no last-minute improvisation It was all part of God's plan. Uh, Funnily enough, we're going to be looking at that very verse, that prophecy from Isaiah 7 uh, this evening. Andy, uh, uh, who's been leading the service, will be preaching on that. And so it's very convenient for me to be able to say all the tricky things about that. Um, Just hand it over to my colleague. He's going to do it tonight. So you can come back for that if you want to know more. Uh, This child would be no normal child. He would be one called Emmanuel, Because as the name means, he would be God with us. This child would be God, come among his people to save his people. You know in the films when there's a a great battle and it seems moments from being lost, but then the hero turns up and hope erupts. We're saved, he's here, we're going to be okay. That's the sort of Emmanuel that Jesus is, God with us. 
to save us. For a nation reeling from the shame and confusion of exile, see all this child is to them. The sting of exile was being cast out of the presence of God. But here, look, is Emmanuel, God with us. The cause of exile was sin, but here's Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Who is this child of Mary? Not a product of adultery, but a promise fulfilled. The hope of a nation. Jesus is God with us to save us. It might seem too good to be true, but God reveals the truth to Joseph. And what God reveals, Joseph trusts. Look at verse 24. When Joseph woke up, now stop reading, stop reading there, okay? What would you expect him to have done? When Joseph woke up, what would you think would come next? Now I can imagine myself into Joseph's position here. And I think as I woke up, I would have got out of bed, probably gone to the bathroom, splashed my face with some water, looked in the mirror and just thought, come on, snap out of it, Joseph. You cannot be taking this seriously. It was just a crazy, crazy dream. Must have been the cheese you ate last. Did I have cheese last night? Maybe that was Tuesday. No, I'm not sure. I can't believe I'm taking this seriously. I can't really be thinking about taking Mary back as my wife. I can hear the guys at the pub now laughing and laughing at me that I would fall for this and really believe she might be innocent. My parents are going to flip. They're going to tell me I should leave her. They're probably right. All of Mary's disgrace is going to be my disgrace if I do this. I don't want that. Cut and run, Joseph. Cut and run. Plenty more fish in the sea. You can imagine all of those thoughts going through his mind, can't you? But look what he did, verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. On every point, you see, on every point, Joseph demonstrated the most extraordinary faith-filled obedience He'd been faced with something unbelievable, but when God shows him the truth, hard as it is for him to get his head around, Joseph chooses to trust him. But it's so much more than that. It's not just that he trusts with his head. What we see from Joseph here isn't just private belief, it's public obedience. He goes and lives in line with the truth that's been revealed to him. Despite any doubts he might have felt, despite the derision of others, despite the shame he would now share with Mary. What God reveals, Joseph trusts. And Matthew holds Joseph up as an example for us of how to respond to the truth that God is revealing about this child of Mary and how we need his example. Because in this opening chapter of Matthew's gospel, we're being faced, just as Joseph was, with a big claim about the identity of this child and a big decision about whether we can trust it. It's a decision that we can't duck or defer or delegate to someone else. It's one that meets all of us that we have to respond to. Big claims need backing up. Big decisions need a good basis. And look, in Matthew's gospel, we have both of those things. God reveals to us in the pages of this gospel so much more fully than the angel did to Joseph. That Jesus really is the Christ, the God-man. We see in these pages more and more evidence piling up that Jesus was indeed more than just a man. He did things only God could do, healing people, extraordinary miracles. He taught with authority and insight that was divine. He lived the perfect life his ancestors never could 
and that no human after him ever has. And not only do we have Matthew's gospel, we have three other gospels that corroborate and supplement his testimony. The reliability of those gospels is fantastically well attested to. I'm uh, halfway through, a little more than halfway through, this brilliant book at the moment called Can We Trust the Gospels by Peter Williams. And there are some copies on the bookstore and it goes brilliantly through all the reasons why we really can trust the gospels. They are fantastically well attested documents. So grab that if that's something um, that you'd be interested in reading more about. And in addition, we have the rest of the Bible including literally hundreds of prophecies about Jesus that are fulfilled. God reveals to us very clearly in this book that Jesus is God come to save us from our sin. In these verses we've been looking at this morning, Matthew wants to persuade us to be like Joseph by living in line with the revealed truth that Jesus is God with us to save us. But each of us will have to decide how we'll respond Whether or not you're a Christian here this morning, this decision has huge consequences for you and for me. If Jesus is the Christ, God with us to save us, we don't want to reject him or to miss that. That would leave us in our sin and out of his presence, ultimately forever. No, we want to receive him and the rescue that he offers. But if we're honest, we feel, don't we, the weight of knowing that if we choose to trust and then line up our lives with this claim will face the same derision and disgrace that Joseph did. And I'm sure that many choose not to follow Jesus or even perhaps to engage with his claim to be God because not that they're unpersuaded by the evidence but because they don't want the social consequences of believing in him. In the last three weeks, I've twice had someone laugh scornfully to my face as I've tried to explain my faith and what I believe. One told me I'm foolish and ignorant. Uh, The other went even further and said that I'm evil for what I believe. Um, I've got a fairly thick skin, but I was talking to someone else uh, the other day who'd had a similar experience. And after the conversation, he said he felt stupid and small because of the way he was spoken to. How Joseph must have known all those feelings. Imagine taking Mary back as his wife. Oh, no, she's innocent. I trust her. I believe her. Really? He must have got it in the neck. And so will we if we line up our lives with the truth God reveals to us in his word. If you're a Christian here this morning, there'll be times when you and I are faced with scorn for what we believe. Perhaps from loved ones who aren't Christians or from friends uh, or colleagues Perhaps those people you don't see very often, but you know Christmas is coming up and those conversations are going to happen as you see family again. You believe in the virgin birth? Are you crazy? You really believe Jesus rose from the dead? And in those moments, we'll naturally ask those questions we began with. Can I believe this and can I count on this? Think how it was that Mary discovered she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit and how Joseph eventually became convinced of the same. It was as that truth was revealed to them by a word from God. And that same truth is revealed to us much more fully and persuasively through God's word, the Bible. The question is whether or not we will choose to trust this word from God, whether we'll seriously engage with it at all, or whether we'll trust the words of others instead. Both are a step of faith, Both are a choice. Which word will I believe? And it's to this word that we need to turn 
for our confidence. And it's here that we need to take people to show them the basis for what we believe. Christian, you are no fool for trusting what God has revealed to be true. And remember that the one called Emmanuel, God with us, is still with us today, even in those moments when we face derision and disgrace for trusting in him. And if you find yourself tempted to be kind of angry or self-righteous in response, remember his name is Jesus because he came to save us from our sins. We're no better than those who reject Jesus. We're just forgiven. Friends, God reveals to us as he did to Joseph the truth about this child of Mary and it's the best news in the world why is it if you're anything like me why is it that we are sometimes when we're asked about these things coy or evasive in our answers let's not be like those best news in the world we've got to share about Jesus and who he is let's live in line with the truth of who Jesus is not just holding a private belief but living in public obedience whatever the cost Who is the child of Mary? Not a product of adultery, but a promise fulfilled. Jesus is God with us to save us. In his birth, we cry, Emmanuel, God with us. And in his death, we cry, Jesus, the Lord saves. And across it all, we see the long-promised plan of salvation being fulfilled. It might seem too good to be true, but in fact, it's a truth too good to miss. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how we thank you for the Lord Jesus and how we thank you for revealing to us, as you did to Mary and to Joseph, the true identity of this child, our Emmanuel, God with us, our our Jesus, the Lord saves And we thank you for him. And we pray that just as you helped Joseph, you would help and empower us to live lives that are fully behind and in line with this truth about who Jesus is. Not privately, but publicly, declaring our faith in him, the one who has come to save us. And we pray that over this Christmas period, as we're inviting people to things like carols by candlelight, as we're speaking about our faith, we pray that many would come to see that he is who your word reveals him to be. We ask this for the glory of your name. Amen.